Mr. Miller, how are you, sir? Adam, how's it going? Hey, you there? Yeah. All right. Hey, how's it going, man? Welcome to Deer Camp. Welcome to Deer Camp, indeed. <laughs> how uh, have you been, buddy? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just uh, just another day. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> it is just another. It's a Friday, thank goodness. I'm ready for the weekend. Uh, uh, how about you I do a, a little of introduction price. of... Uh, do, well, that's good. Hey, you're a smart man that set it up that way, right? <laughs> I try. <laughs> um, how about you give a little brief introduction to yourself? Well, I am uh, Adam Miller. I'm the world's worst bow hunter. I uh, run the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Been doing that for about uh, the last five years or so now. And yeah, I've just been podcasting, wading my way through, you know, trying to get better at bow hunting, trying to talk to as many people as I can to, you know, learn and uh, teach, you know, through through the podcast and the listener. I, I ask all my questions from a from a listener's perspective. So I want to make sure that uh, we're getting all the answers, um, questions answered from the guy who's never killed a deer before uh, to the, to the guy that only wants to kill Pope and young or is chasing and Boone and Crockett caliber. I want to make sure that there's something for everybody. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know. I, uh, I think I found you oh, like a year and a half ago or something like that. And I started listening and was really enjoying it. And then, you know, joined the Patreon group and, here we are. I started a podcast uh, basically because I, I love talking to people and heck, there's no better way to do it than do it on a recording and get, you know, to people to listen to you. And that's for some sure. great guys through it. So how, what, what the, that was, I mean, basically you kind of summarized what I was thinking there about how, why you started was to, you know, talk to as many people as you could and do that. But man, you've grown it into something that is uh, way different than any other podcast that I've uh, seen out there in the hunting industry of all the involvement you have with all your listeners. Uh, was that, was that an intention from the beginning? Not exactly, but you know, so to go back to where we started, um, my co-host who has been kind of absent this year, he's building a house and he's, um, I would say probably, he would probably say accurately like miserable <laughs> in doing so. <laughs> um, so I try to give him a, a bunch of grace uh, right now, but, um, yeah, anyway, he, we were listening to different podcasts, listen, we'd always talk about, you know, the Joe Rogan podcast and meat eater and all that stuff. But at that time there wasn't anybody that really represented like the hunting that, that we did, or, um, it wasn't, there weren't as many hunting podcasts. And so I like to say there wasn't any podcasts about people not killing anything, um, but still really enjoying it. So, um, we said, all right, we're going to, we're going to do this on our own. And as far as like the interaction thing, um, it's funny, you know, I've been hunting, you know, for as long as I can remember, I got a, I got a bow, in my Easter basket when I was five years old or six years old. And I got a BB gun at eight and I got a, a shotgun at 12 and uh, I have younger brothers. So they got them, you know, even earlier than that. And it's just always been something that I enjoyed and then got into bow hunting, got into bow hunting pretty seriously. Once I um, met my wife, uh, her dad was, 
you know, in worked in the local sports shop. Her uncle worked in the other sports shop and uh, her other uncle's family owned one of the sports shops. So, you know, they had everything. It was kind of like, Oh, you hunt like, you know, here's how we do it. Here's what you need, all this stuff. And I just kind of kept trying to recruit as many of my buddies or anybody that was interested in hunting to come along with us because I really enjoyed that hunting aspect of it as a group thing. And, you know, I grew up with a, with a Michigan deer hunting camp up in the UP and, um, it was never about killing big bucks. And I, I, you know, I can think of, you know, I could probably count on one hand the amount of actual racked bucks that were killed in the 20 years that we, that I can remember rifle hunting up there. It was just always about going kind of like the Michigan, you know, we'll go up there, we'll shoot some does, we'll get some meat and uh, just that whole experience and doing that with, uh, with people. So just trying to get as many people into it uh, of my friends that were, you know, could be as passionate about it as myself. And then fast forward to the podcast, you know, I've just continued that same mentality as this whole thing is not like for me at all, as much as it is for like everybody else in the community. And I just keep trying to, you know, if somebody's interested in hunting now, I just have even more resources to, to help to get guys gear information, any of the stuff that I can. Um, and I think that that's kind of how it, how it ended up this way. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, as a guy that attended your hunt this year, your deer camp, uh, it's definitely um, a, a really good thing that you're doing that I've been really impressed with. And it actually going to that camp this year got me, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if you, my background is hunting at home by myself. That's it. And this year after attending your camp, I attended like five more just because I had so much fun with the camaraderie that it brought back that, 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 that fulfillment I was looking for in the hunting world. And, uh, which is awesome that you did. Cause there's nobody else doing that. Well, I mean, it's, you know, we, th- that was never the vision. I mean, like who in the world says I want to have a hunting camp with 50 guys or whatever, um, and try to go out on public land. I mean, in public land, you're basically trying to get away from people and you're, you know, n- now we're bringing all the pressure and all this stuff. But I think, you know, it is a lot for, – for me, it's a lot bigger than that. You know, like I, I've said it on a bunch of different podcasts, but I think when you're hunting in a deer camp or you're hunting as a group or you're – you know, and, and there's people of all different skill levels, like different levels of seriousness, whether they want to hunt or, or, or they just want to be off of work, they just want to be outside, they want to have like any of these experiences, whatever, uh, you know – your hunt really isn't ever done until that last guy's back from the woods. And, you know, we saw that when we went and tracked a deer that we ultimately didn't find, but I mean, everybody suited up and guys that didn't even hunt that day were like, well, Hey, I want to be involved. I want to go be part of this. And, you know, when somebody comes back with their, their deer, I mean, everybody's over there. You're excited. I mean, it gives you kind of like the opportunity to attend a buck pole every single day um, and kind of be part of it. And, you know, you can check out other people's gear, you can learn stuff, you know, you can catch up, you can, you know, in this situation, you know, you can ask questions to somebody who maybe you were nervous about asking in like a public forum or something like that. But then also you get to like see 
how other people hunt. I mean, for example, like that first day, right? You're like, well, I don't know where I'm going to hunt. And I told you, okay, well, I, I scouted this over here. So you didn't necessarily have to go find a find deer, but you also got to see like what I was looking at in the woods and then kind of interpret it for yourself. And, you know, maybe that clicks some things on in your, in your mind to be like, okay, I would have never thought of this, but this looks like a pretty good spot. You know, you know what I mean? Like there's so much, there, there's so multifaceted more than just like who shoots the biggest buck. Right. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I, you know, that's look, look what won the buck pole this year. I mean, it was a great, great deer that scored nothing, you know, and it was awesome to watch. I mean, he, the guy was so excited and first deer, that and being the camaraderie of everybody around just made it uh, made it awesome for him in my eyes. Well, in in that case, right? So he went out and scouted that in the preseason. He went there and like the day before, like or maybe it was that morning. I'm not sure, but absolutely, completely freaking blew it. You know, and <laughs> had to come back and hat in his hand and say I missed. And, <clears throat> you know, we're all there saying hey. You know, you need to go shoot your bow, make sure your bow is on, and let's walk through the scenario. Let's see what, what you did wrong, like, you know. And who knows, if he was at home by himself, he might have been discouraged. He may have, you know, made the exact same mistake uh, because he wouldn't have maybe went through it that same way um, as he did, um, you know, getting other guys' opinions. And, yeah, you're going to get razzed if you – if you miss a deer and all this stuff, but I mean, that, that's all part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You better be able to take a little shit if you're going to go to a deer camp. <laughs> uh, like, so the logistics, I mean, your deer camp was, you know, middle of the state kind of, well, West, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, how did you decide on that area? Well, I mean, first of all, we had a place that had power that we could camp, but there's so much land. Like, so you can go literally six miles south, basically give or take a quarter of a mile, and it's all solid public land, uh, north and south, and then east and west, you're probably looking at the same thing. And that's just one basically solid track of public land. And then, you know, if you want to venture out further than that, you know, it just grows exponentially um, in some of these quote unquote smaller pieces. And these smaller pieces aren't like a hundred acres. They're like only a thousand acres instead of a hundred thousand acres. And then to the North, if you want to go, if you want to go North um, it's a little bit more sporadic in those 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 acre pieces, but there's the antler point restrictions. So for guys that were actually trying to hunt bigger, mature more mature animals they were going to get an opportunity and it was just an area that laid out very easily to accommodate lots of people which was what what we had you know i mean if you're going to try to to hunt you know 30 guys on even a thousand acres you know that's going to be really difficult so we had to make sure that we had enough property land you know 
room to roam. Um, as far as the camping and all that was concerned, we could probably stand to have a little bit bigger footprint, but we, we <laughs> run what you're wrong at that point. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the logistics, or not the logistics, wrong word, the, uh, you know, the, how everybody came together and the, the Patreon thing that like, that's probably what sparked my interest the most when I, uh, after I started listening to you was the Patreon, you know, and the Marco Polo group and all that. I mean, I, I the Marco Polo group is probably one of the coolest things I've seen with the fact that you've got these daily conversations that just continue with everybody. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it might, you might be talking about how the guy's having a bad day today. And the next day it's, you know, you're talking about uh, bacon or something like that. <laughs> Trying to get it more about hunting, but, you know, or like when, you know, a guy shoots a giant buck and everybody's so excited or, you know, the guy shoots the buck and it's hanging on the tree there because, you know, he had to back out because he thought it was still alive. That, you know, it, it almost feels like you're at a deer camp every day with that in my eyes. Oh, for sure. And, and, and you know, that that's something that I didn't really know how it was going to go. Like I, I talked to some of my other buddies and uh, my buddy Walt's doing that down in Florida. And he's like, oh, you should try it. You know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, all right, here we go. And it's kind of like a weird app. And, you know, it's kind of a strange you know, I mean, people complain about like bugs in the app and all this stuff, but, but it's a really cool way to facilitate a community like that. And, you know, at the same time, what's been huge for me that like nobody else really gets to see. And, you know, even I don't get to see it until like after the fact I hear about it, but how that group has kind of taken guys who, didn't really have anybody to hunt with or didn't have any, um, you know, local guys or people that were into the hunted the same way that they did, or, you know, new guys that didn't really have anybody to ask how it's created these little groups of like basically new friends. Right. So you got a bunch of new guys that are able to, um, you know, now they've got hunting buddies and some of that stuff happens just, you know, there's guys that are all over the, country i mean now even multiple countries that you've never met in person but you feel a lot more comfortable and then something like the patreon hunt allows those people to actually meet in person and then kind of go from there and say okay well now we're just going to do our own little deer camp or we're going to go hunt or oh i'm going to go help him do this or i'm going to go help with that or we're going to build some arrows or that we're going to scout and you know that's all just you know tertiary from this podcast about not killing anything right yeah <laughs> the world well, the world's worst bow hunter right that's uh that's your slogan right. um that's hey i think there's a lot of us out there <laughs> you're just you're the title holder uh now this year you uh you got your daughter her first year correct yep yep that was it was pretty cool that's awesome what uh now you guys were in the up for that yeah so my family like i said we've got 240 acres in the up and uh it's about a seven hour drive uh for us so we don't get up there like as much you know i mean i can be in indiana ohio uh, wisconsin um i can be in areas where you know i can do the kind of hunting that i want and, and i was thinking about that the other day um just to kind of go off sidetrack a little bit but it's like 
some of the stuff where like you or I will buy a, a, a $250 tag to go to Indiana to try to shoot something, you know, bigger where we, we could very easily spend that time and go hunt a brand new area um, in Michigan. Um, I was thinking about how like backwards that is a little bit because we're, I mean, I went out to Indiana and Kansas and Wisconsin um, I, I've been to all of those states with never having once scouted other than e-scouting. And I could certainly do that, uh, in Michigan and, you know, maybe have the same result or, you know, you know, at least see some more, um, of this, this state where I already have tags. So I was thinking about that as interesting, but that's one of the things that keeps us from going to the UP, um, as much as, as much as we could, um, and then, so my, my brother's been taking his kids up there over the Thanksgiving weekend for like the last four or five years. Um, and so we've started doing that going up and, and going and my daughter was never the shooter. She can't like close her left eye for whatever reason. Like she had, doesn't have those muscles yet. She's eight. Yep. So the first year we tried and she couldn't hit anything. And then the second year, like she shot a 243 and I made her an eye patch that wasn't working and she could shoot the 22 and she's balling. She's like, can I just shoot the 22? I'm like, no, honey, I'm sorry. And she's like, well, what about my bow? Can I use my bow? And I'm like, no, like I, I love it for you, but that's not, it doesn't have enough, uh, you know, to kill anything. So, um, this year I put together a 350 legend for her. Um, my, my brothers kind of all shoot those with their kids. So, um, I put together AR and then I got her an eye patch and then we played around with it in the basement, like sighting in at, she's got an easel. And so I was having her look through it and then read me off like the letters that were on there and stuff. And so I'm like, okay, I think we can do this. So we went out had her shoot the 22 and I bought, you know, I went from using like Josh Mapes's, um, method, you know, he got his daughter, uh, her first deer this year and I think she's 11 and he was kind of going through in the Marco Polo group and like some of his videos all the issues that he was having with her as far as like being able to follow up the leg and then not actually aiming after she squeezed a trigger like she decided that she was going to squeeze a trigger and then she like looked away um, so I was able to use that and have my daughter like hey this is what you need to do I got a deer target like a paper deer target so she could get that muscle memory of shooting you know, what she was looking at. So it was going to be familiar to her. And uh, so once we figured out how to slowly squeeze the trigger and all that stuff, it was, she was, she was on, you know, but I still had very little, little hope, you know, but up in the UP, you can bait. So we had some corn out and, you know, I mean, my daughter, she wants to rattle every 15 minutes. <laughs> she wants to call the blow the grunt tube. She, and she doesn't, she doesn't want to do one or the other. It's like we rattle and then we grunt and then we do the can call. And like, you know, we're, we're on our iPads. We're, we're eating Christmas cakes. We're, we're doing all the things that you would expect to be doing with, with kids. Um, and that actually that morning we, we saw a deer, a doe came sneaking in and it never, it never popped out. And, uh, it was cold. I mean, it was like down into the teens and, my daughter was freezing and I was like, all right, we need to go in. And right at that time, my dad, we heard my dad shoot. And so we went back to the, the cabin, got warmed up and then took the kids out to 
recover my dad's deer. And so my brother, um, he, his kids both killed deer on the youth hunt. So, uh, he was off duck hunting with his son. So it was just all the girls, there's four girls. And so that we make them, you know, drag the deer loaded into the, the trailer on the four wheeler. Um, you know, they're, they're involved in this whole thing. So it isn't just like we go out, prop up a gun on a tripod and say, Hey, you know, pull the trigger. You, you got to shoot this one. Um, and so that night we went out and had the spike walk up and it came in over out of our left window of the shooting shack. And so I had to take the gun off the tripod and my daughter was like, absolutely not. Like I am not, we did not practice shooting off of the uh, windowsill. This is, this is not happening, dad. Like no way. So he turned around and he went back into the woods and I put the gun back on the tripod. And then I said, well, Hey Stella, why don't you hit the can call? Maybe he'll come back in. And she can called and he walked right out to the, like the little corn pile. And it really, I got the whole, then I, at that point I clicked down my 360 camera and that thing is the best freaking device ever. Um, Cause we got the shot. We got all the reaction inside of the blind, everything. And, um, you know, after the fact, she tells everybody, well, you know, we saw Spike and they walked away and then I called him and then he came back in and, uh, then I didn't know if I wanted to shoot it. And my dad said I should shoot it. So I shot it. And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> like that makes it sound like dad, it's like pressuring you to shoot this deer. Like that gun went on and off safe, like seven times. <laughs> I want to shoot him. I don't know if I can do it. I want to shoot him. I don't know if I can do it. Do you think I should shoot him? And so I finally, I was like, well, let's just watch him. And I'm like, why don't you just get him in the scope and see, you know, just, just get comfortable. And, uh, once she finally did that, um, like you can see in the video, like her eyes change, like she gets like super excited and she comes out and she's like, do you think I should shoot him? And I'm like, I, I really do. I think <laughs> you should shoot him. And, uh, you know, she goes back and forth on it. And I did get out at one point. I'm like, Hey, Hey, because you know, she's got her finger basically wrapped, curled around the trigger, guns off safe, and she's out of the scope looking at me going like, Dad, and like, oh, hold, and like no, we're not just firing around in the woods on accident, you know. We've got a, a, a pretty good opportunity here. So um, then she shot him, and he went right down, and we're celebrating. And then uh, he ended up getting right back up and ran right at us. So I, I made sure he didn't go any further. But, uh, cause I was like, you know, like we've all like, as an adult, you can process like missing deer. And I think probably as a kid, you could probably do that too. Um, but we, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, like wounding a deer or letting one get away, you know, just because like, she's, she's not able to make the follow-up shot. Like I wasn't going to let that be the narrative on this one. So perfect team effort. It sounds like. Yeah. And so she was super pumped and. You know, she, she, she says, can we keep the head? I said, yep, yep. We can, we can certainly keep the head. And, uh, she's like, I want jerky and back straps. That's all I want. Yeah. So, so okay. We, you, we could certainly do that. <laughs> she's my kind of hunter. I like it. Um, that 350 legend is a, a great gun for your kid. Um, did it hurt her shoulder at all? I mean, I did that to me, it doesn't kick at all, but some uh i've heard some people say that they're not a huge fan of it for kids uh, how do you feel no about that? no um 
you know, obviously I built it on an AR platform and the AR platform kind of works like a, like an inertia shotgun where that spring, the recoil spring is in the buffer tube, which is in the stock. So it takes up a lot of the recoil right there being a semi-automatic and it just the way that it, it captures that. But I, I think, you know, she shot it, I want to say like five or six times at the house. And then, I mean, I, I honestly feel like unless you get bit by the scope, like there's not a single person in the moment that remembers the recoil. And I don't think that my daughter is any different. Like I think after the fact, everything was just like, Oh my God, I got him. I got him. I got him. It wasn't like, Oh, my shoulder. You know what I mean? Yep. That adrenaline rush. I, I'm not, you know, guys were practicing and all that with it. Um, I know my son, we've got the same thing in AR 350 and my, my son, he's seven, but he, uh, Maybe he just isn't as strong as your daughter, but he, he was like, oh, my shoulder, dad, yeah. my shoulder, dad. I'm like, I just shot this thing, and it doesn't even kick. <coughs> so that yeah. was – Yeah. So did uh, did you guys do yeah, – my... go, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, my daughter, you know, she, like she, like I said, the year before, she was shooting 243, and she's been – I think I think we might have had her shoot – she was shooting 22s out of the 410, and and – so she, you know, she kind of knew like what to expect, but then once she shot it the first time, she she was like, "Can I shoot it again?" And we were like, "Yeah, of course." Heck so. yeah, keep shooting. We, Dad's days are numbered. It's gonna be uh, kid shooting from now on. Right, out. right, right. Did you guys do the youth hunt this year? No. Um. So she wasn't like ready for the youth hunt like at that time, and like, you know, she's uh. I'll say she's kind of like, like my, my wife in a sense where she's like, well, I don't know if I want to kill one and yada, yada, yada. She was going back and forth. So I wasn't trying to like pressure her at all. And then when, when her cousin started laying down the deer during the youth season, she was very upset um, that we didn't get to do it. But I said, Hey, you weren't shooting the gun. You know, we didn't, we didn't do any preparation for this. So as we were leading into you know, like, so before I went to Kansas, I made sure that I sighted in that gun and that everything was all set to go. And then once I got home, I was like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to shoot this. We're going to make sure that, that you're comfortable doing it. And then we'll decide if we're going to go up and hunt, uh, over Thanksgiving. And so she was, she was all for it. And she was, she was pumped to go buy her first license and all that. But, um, you know, not, not for the youth hunt and it didn't, I don't know. It almost made it more special that it wasn't like a early season. Like she was, you know, hell, she was competing with my dad for deer. Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> well, that's awesome. You, I think you guys will do the youth hunt next year. Yeah, I think so. We, I mean, we've got a really like we got a buddy that has a really killer piece of property um, just up the road from us, you know, 15 minutes or so. So, and he like, he wants her to go out there and we've been trying to do like a, you know, a spring deer camp over there, just pull the campers up there and then wake up, go out and hunt, come back, have breakfast, all that stuff. And, uh, she just hasn't been able to shoot, you know? So now, now that she's kind of, you know, what we preach, right. She's got one under her belt. She, she knows that she can do it. Um, it, it, it shouldn't be that big of a, um, obstacle to overcome but um 
you know, this year just she just wasn't ready. Yeah, same with my son. He youth hunt and he just he he just wasn't comfortable enough with the gun yet to be able to do it. So we, uh, we canned it and same thing. It was he wasn't happy whenever you start seeing all the pictures everybody shooting deer, but you know, I said you've got all the rest of your life to hunt. You've got time, buddy. Um, so next year you're, uh, you're going to have the, your, your camp again, I'm assuming. What are your expectations of that? Well, I mean, so <laughs> loaded question. I know. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's, I think it's easier, um, now because so the, this year, just the way that it laid out, um, for a time frame, it was like really the first, like opening weekend of uh deer season here in michigan and it didn't like there was other guys in the woods there was other deer camps there was other um there's other factors uh the weather was garbage there was no uh acorns so um that was you know we had, we were working against i had all those things working against us um this year the way that the dates lay out, it's like a week later. Um, so it's going to be like right smack dab in the middle of the season, the October lull. Um, so I think there's going to be less people that are hunting, you know, people are going to be saving their time for the rut. Um, so I think we're going to kind of be back to like the first year where we had a little bit more of the woods to ourselves. Um, if you believe all the stuff about the every other year acorn cycle, we should have a little bit more consistent food. Um, but I think, you know, honestly, with all the guys and the guys that have been going now, this being their third year, like we're going to have more intel, more experience, know where we saw a deer um, and just be able to get on some more deer. I mean, the the goal, you know, is always to be improving. Um, you know, we have about a, as far as like deer to hunter numbers, like a 10% success rate, which is pretty much standard for public land. So we're doing okay there. Uh, but at the same time, like I would like to see like a couple more buck encounters and maybe like two racked bucks, um, you know, that just, just, just to improve. Um, but, you know, ultimately anybody who is a, deer killer or who's after big deer or whatever um can usually get on deer and so in that hunt that time frame all that stuff isn't necessarily like why you go to something like that it's to help get these other guys on deer to for the learning for the teaching so you know to get another guy his first buck or to get another guy his first deer i think would far surpass anybody you know, killing a bigger deer or more deer numbers. Like if guys who always kill deer, just go there and kill deer and we're not helping any of the guys that are struggling, you know, then, you know, even if the numbers are up, we're still failing. Yep. I mean, I, I think I was the guy that was there the longest. Cause I, you know, decided I was going to show up before everybody. Um, uh, I think I hunted three times and I had more fun riding around looking for deer signs doing some scouting and, you know, being like, Hey, you should go here. Hey, you should go there. Not that I know anything about hunting. You know, I mean, I'm, I, I've, you know, I've been hunting a long time, but it doesn't make me a professional by any means, but it, I had a lot of fun just setting up guys and, you know, telling them what I had found and all that rather than actually hunting. 
it uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's just different. I mean, like you can treat that hunt just like any <laughs> like out of state hunt or whatever, where you'll go drive around, try and see where people are hunting, try and see where there's tracks in the road, see where you're seeing deer crossing, and then kind of figure out. I mean, that's what happened the first year. Is like we basically did that, found the food, and then then found the deer. But it took us four days to do that, and now now we're just a little bit wiser i think we can do that a little bit more efficiently so and then uh there was you know we had all the camp meals that uh that was another thing that was just kind of blew my mind about how everybody came together for the food situation you know hey i'll bring this and i'll bring that and you bring this and that for you know what was how many guys were there last year 30 something 40 something yeah it was like 40 42 i think okay i mean to be able to get that many guys together and have a community meal is also a big feat in itself um you know yeah i I think i think that's just the way that you gotta you almost gotta work backwards you know like like for okay where are people gonna stay what are they gonna eat where are they gonna go to the bathroom you know (laughs) all these things (laughs) are like things that you just have to have um uh you know, put first because, you know, those are the things that make the downpour bearable. Like if there was no food, if, if you had to go poop in the woods and it was downpouring the whole time, everybody would have been like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I, I, my wife said I got to go home or like whatever, (laughs) you know, it would have been, it would have been way different, but when there's, you know, good people plenty of food you know relatively um nice or whatever amenities you know that's what it's that's what it's all about you know at at the front end all of the if if you take the deer hunting out of it i mean we were just up there you know camping for the weekend hanging out with all of our buddies talking about gear and deer hunting stuff that we would do anyways you know but usually whenever you're at something like that, when you're camping with your family, you're trying to search out that one guy that also likes hunting and that also likes to talk <laughs> about this stuff. And now we just kind of synthesize that down and put everybody to be able to camp together. And then, Hey, if you want to go hunt, go hunt. But if you don't, you know, hang out by the fire, you know, Hey, can you, can you keep an eye on this food so that when we get back, there's, there's something to eat for everybody, you know? Yep. Yep. It was uh, it was a very good time. I've uh, met some very good people through it. Do you see it being uh, bigger this year? God, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's I, it, logistically, it can't get much bigger as far as like where we're the footprint that we're staying on. Now, can we pivot and can we find another place that's just as um, centrally located and has just the stuff? Um, maybe you know, there's a there's a guy. Uh, one of the other patrons who has a piece of property very close that I don't know. It's a few acres and it's got like a pond and like a bog on it and stuff, but where we're staying isn't really that big. So if it was bigger and we were just, just allowed for a little bit better um, parking and stuff like that, like maybe we could allow uh, some more people, but that's always the hard part is like when I started it, you know, like, like this isn't like, this is not great hunting. I'm not like some sort of famous guy, you know, this is not like, we're, we're not 
promising anything except for a bunch of good people. And so how, how would you plan for that? In the first year you get like 30 people to show up like that. That's absurd. <laughs> you know, you think maybe like 10 guys or like whatever, we'll have a deer camp. And then, you know, the second year's like even bigger. So like it's, I don't obviously want to exclude anybody and be like, Oh, well you can't come. Um, but at the same time, like realistically, there's only so much, there's so only so much big of a footprint and we could say, okay, well you can go stay somewhere else or whatever, but then it, it takes away from the experience, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, spring bear camp. Now you're doing one of those with uh, our good friend Tom out there in Montana. Yeah, talk about yep. that a little bit. Well, you know, Tom just asked if that would be cool, if if anybody would be interested in doing that, and if it would be okay. And I'm like, sure, because the whole thing is like to be able to share these experiences and like, you know, having been out west elk hunting a few different times um, in a in a bunch of different capacities. Like, you know, I spent anywhere from two thousand to six thousand dollars going out there just for gear you know by the time i mean when i was in idaho the deer tag and the elk tag was a thousand bucks so i mean you're a thousand dollars in there without any gear without any travel without any food without any anything um and so it, it and then you don't know what you're getting into as far as like altitude or hiking or anything like that so to be able to kind of do the same thing with the same logistics so going out of you know tom's basically going to provide everything for us from you know a place to stay but he's got water he's got power we have you know uh you know maybe people don't know that out west like is very 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 big and there's lots of space between like towns and you know it's it's just different like if you if you don't you, when we went out to Idaho, he's like, make sure you have a chainsaw, like a full size spare, like tire plugs, like all the things, because you never know where you're going to end up or what the situation is going to be and how far you're going to be away from something like that. And you don't know that until you go out there. So now this is kind of like almost like a a training wheels Western hunt with a a two hundred and fifty dollar tag, you know, and. Uh, you know, we are the, the bow, excuse me, the bow hunter chronicles and we do love bow hunting and archery and everything like that. But, um, this is predominantly going to be a rifle hunt. You can bring a bow, you can hunt with your bow if you want to, but that's not really the spring bear type of hunting. Um, and you know, maybe if somebody shoots a bear or something like that, you know, they'll be able to set up on a carcass and shoot it, shoot a bear off of it or something like that. But, um, that again, it's almost like the hunting is secondary. It's going to be cool to go out there to share a trip. That's like the cost is going to be pretty low. You know, the barrier of entry is pretty low and it'll give you these guys an opportunity to see big country to go as far as they want to, or as, as, as far as they don't want to, you know, hunt as hard or as little as they want and then be able to have guys there at least at least Tom to say like, you know, this is the area that I live in. This is where I've seen bears. This is what I've, what I've uh, been able to, to glean 
from this and then you get to go out and you get to see big country maybe find elk shed you know a lot of maybe get eaten by a grizzly there's lots of opportunities <laughs> that's, that's kind there. of my that's kind <laughs> of my plan <laughs> i'm gonna go out there uh, i'm actually planning not even planning on hunting i'm plus gonna go out to go out kind of help get the experience because i don't really have any interest in shooting a bear so i just i'm gonna go out and enjoy it you know and see the country and you know hopefully hopefully not get eaten by a grizzly bear i guess yeah but i mean um, it'd be cool to see one i guess yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want to see one, but not like real close. Uh, I want to circle back to what you're talking about and the going out of state, um, you know, and the money it costs and all that. I, I was, the, you know, and then being in Michigan, you know, now there's all these places in Michigan you can go hunt, you know, instead of going out of state. I've been doing the outfitter thing for like the last five, six years. And, you know, I've looked back on it and I was talking to my wife about it the other day. I'm like, you know, I spend all this money every year on all these things. And I've, you know, other than Texas, I've shot one deer on an outfitted hunt in six years. I can do that at home. I can do that in the state of Michigan, or if not better, or on public land. So I I just kind of, you know, that that hit where I was thinking there of, you know, you don't have to spend a ton of money to go out and, you know, have a deer camp or go somewhere, or you can spend a ton of money. It's kind of like wherever your mindset is of it. But the, the camp thing is what's really intrigued me over the last, you know, little bit. I think one of the things that we do, like, we do a poor job of, as, like, hunters that are trying to shoot a, a bigger buck and, and by going out of state, and I'm 100% guilty of it, um, is, you know, those 10 days or whatever you set aside to go hunt another state, and you go and you, you're you going, you're reading the sign, you're eating, sleeping, living, breathing it, Um you know, you could do that here in Michigan. I think the difference is, and I saw this like when I was in college, both here and then out of state was like when I was out of state and I was like away from my home, my family and all that stuff. Like it was easier to focus on school because I didn't have the distractions and everybody that was in that moment at school, we all had the same tests. We all had the same things. And then when it was time to party and we didn't have anything going on, everybody was doing that too. But when you're at home, you get pulled in so many different directions like, well, you know, you were going to hunt this morning, but can you pick up the kid? Cause I want to go do this. And so we got, start to slip back into these easy spots or like just spots that we know, and we're not as adventurous. We're not going out and really learning new areas and all of that, that we do out of state because we're a hundred percent in it. We're a hundred percent committed where a lot of times when we're at home, we just go back to what we know. I mean, when I switched to, like um, going to a stand and sticks when I traded out of my climber for a stand and sticks and then subsequently a saddle. Like I sold my climber, my lone climber that I absolutely love <laughs> because of that same thing. Cause I knew that it was so easy and I was so comfortable with it that I would use it. I would, I'd be like, you know, screw these sticks. Like this sucks. I hate this. And I would go back to that climber. So I sold it. So I had no other choice. Like I was pot committed on, hunting this way and I've never looked back but that's something I think that we take out of the equation when we go say okay well I'm gonna go hunt in Wisconsin for three days in a place that I've never seen before like why can't you just do that at home and this that would be my wife asking and I mean the answer that you could never tell them is like it's you like (laughs) you're the reason because I can't just spend all this time hunting uh from home and give it give hunting the same attention that I do when I'm out of state because I only have to call you like 
before I go hunting and then after dark. And like, you know, maybe some people have that as an acceptable uh, hunting season uh, regimen uh, while in their state. But like at my house, it doesn't necessarily fly that way. That's not flying. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen. So, I mean, have you ever thought about like doing like a kid's youth hunt camp or anything I, like you that? Know, well, the hard part with that, I think, is is like you, I, I, for for my kid, for for anybody and their kid, like you want it as as much as we want it as adults to be hard. Um, you want the kids to have like the easiest experience possible. So, like to do a camp like that for kids would be really tough because there's no guarantees. Like if you're, you know, hunting you know, in September on a piece of private from a shooting shack, you don't have the bugs. You can, you know, have a little fan in there. You can, you know, all, all sorts of things. And you probably have a, a higher uh, likelihood of seeing deer. Now, is there some pieces of public that have some ag and have some other stuff? Yeah. And you're still going to be like, everybody's out on that exact same weekend trying to do that exact same thing, looking at those exact same pieces of ag and all this other stuff. So like it would be really difficult. I think, I think the only way that you could do it is if you had like a big enough piece of private property to go out and do that. And then you could never, you couldn't scale it. It would be, you'd be like direct, you'd, you'd certainly be turning families away. You know, because everybody wouldn't get the same, wouldn't get the same experience, you know, like kids don't do things because they like to do things because they're hard. (laughs) You know, that is is a true story. I mean, I got Shane to sit with me last year during uh, rifle opener and he made it all day. But we had heat, we had a beanbag chair, we had an iPad, we had food, we had whatever you needed for that, you know, and it was, it was like sitting in the living room, but sitting out in the deer stand. Uh, I guess we just need to start a GoFundMe so we can buy, uh, you know, 10,000 acres and then we'd be in good shape. <laughs> you know, you could start with a hundred or so and, and kind of go from there, but yeah. No, I like to go full fall on right away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, I, I, I appreciate you coming on today. It's uh, been a great conversation. I'll look forward to doing it again. Where, uh, where can everybody find you at? Yeah, basically just the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. If you look at that anywhere, you can, you will find us. You'll find my ugly mug um, staring back at you, more than likely. Oh well, I'm I'm gonna you're I'm the world's ugliest bow hunter. You get to be the world's <laughs> worst bow hunter. So, <laughs> well, Adam, I appreciate it. Thanks, man, and uh, we will uh, be in touch. I'm sure. All right, sounds good. All right, thanks, sir. Yeah, not a problem. Bye bye.